You're listening to On The Way, a podcast for the Center for Bible Study. I'm your host, Max Botner. Sixty-year-old man was complimentarian. Say, this woman we brought is pulling in more people than than any of our other lead pastors. She's doing more home visits. She's being more communal. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding this is what our church needs. Hey, welcome everyone back to the podcast. We've got another excellent episode for you today. I've got my Jessup colleague, Reverend Marilyn Williams on with me, doing two episodes together in preparation for our course that we're teaching together in August, Women and Power in the Church. Reverend Williams is finishing up her doctorate and her research is focused in particular on evangelical churches calling women as lead pastors for their first time. If you're interested in the class, you can register. All Center for Bible Study classes are donation-based or pay what you can. The link for registration is in the episode description. Really hope to see you there. I think it's going to be a really excellent opportunity just for further conversation and dialogue. And with that, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into our episode with Reverend Williams. We're back for round two. Thanks again, Marilyn, for being here. And what we wanted to do in, in this part is you're doing some really interesting research focused on some of these issues that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Women in ministry, but like you're doing on the ground sociological research of, mm-hmm. let you talk more about it, but of practical issues of women in ministry in evangelical yeah. congregations. And one of the reasons I was so excited to teach this class with you is that I wanted this to be more than just hey, here's a Bible scholar guy or whatever, taking you through a few texts and Mm -hmm. answering your Mm -hmm. theological questions. Like we want to do that. We're both going to do that with you in class, those who are able to make it. But I also wanted the angle of, hey, what's some fresh data? What is it looking like on the ground in churches? What are people saying? And so, yeah, really excited for this component of the class, for your expertise and to hear to learn from you about what you have been seeing through your research. So yeah, the floor is yours. I'd love to oh, hear a little bit about yeah. what you're, about it. Don't give away too much, right? We want I people will. to come to class, but yeah. give them, give them some, yeah. some teasers. Yeah. In terms of yeah. What no, I would love to do that. Um, first of all, it's, I'm uh, pursuing an EDD. It's like a PhD, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, but more yeah. educationally based. So, yeah. um, and it's in organizational leadership and with an emphasis in Christian ministry. So that's why I'm doing a, more of a sociological research project. And so, um, yeah, I've been interviewing a sample of about 10 to 11 individuals, Mm -hmm. uh, church parishioners, and also a focus group. And I am exploring how church parishioners experience calling or voting in a woman as a lead pastor within a congregationally led evangelical church in the U.S. So congregationally led, just for those of you that may not be familiar with church governance or polity terms, basically the authority, the ultimate authority of the church is with the people, the, with local, the parishioners. The, the vote so that's, the church, why, yeah. that's why the title is calling or voting in mm. a woman as lead pastor. Okay. So that would be different than, let's say, a congregation where they receive their lead pastor from their denomination. Mm-hmm where they have a hierarchy of saying, hey, we're going to send you, mm-hmm. you know, your next lead pastor. So I particularly focused on congregationally led mm-hmm. um, denominations um, because that's what I'm a part of mm-hmm. as well. And I think that's an interesting dynamic because the power is actually in the parishioner's hands 
And so that's why I decided to interview parishioners because they're the ones that will vote in Mm -hmm. or reject a woman as a lead pastor. So we have a lot of research about women lead pastor disparities. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of research that talk about how few we have, the percentages. I mean, I think... I think we're finally up to maybe about 10%, but for a while we were at 6%. Mm-hmm. You know, Is that really the, all the, like all denominations? Pretty much across across any denomination. Yeah, a very low percentage okay. of women lead pastors. There might be some outliers there, but um, it's kind of in, in the evangelical world. Okay. 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 So basically we, what we don't have is that we've researched women clergy. And we've, we found out their disparities. We found out how they're treated. We found out they can't get a job. We, you know, we found out all that, but what we have never researched is this phenomenon, a woman as a lead, as a lead pastor from the perspective of a parishioner. So what does that parishioner experience? Mm. What is that parishioners? um, What are those, that parishioners feeling? What Mm. are they, what are their fears? Mm. What are they concerned about? What is their background? Mm. Um, How did that background dictate their response, their yeah. vote, their yeah. reaction, the right. process. Right. So that's really what I was digging into. And right. I'm just really finishing analysis at this point. And um, not to give it all away, but let me just tell you that the findings were surprising to me. And that is, I had hoped, and this is great, because as a researcher, you kind of want your study to go in a de- totally different direction than you thought. That right. means that your biases is not getting in the way. Right, okay, right. So I had, I had hoped that my study would help churches to get over all the obstacles parishioners are experiencing in order to call women as lead pastors, if that's God's purpose for the right, church. Okay? Right. So that's what I was trying to find. What are those obstacles? What helped you? What could have helped you? All that kind of thing. What I found is the very opposite in that Mm. people are more comfortable with women lead pastors than ever at any other point in our church history besides the early church. So when I first started collecting my sample for people to interview, I put the word out to, let's say, my colleagues here at Jessup. And everyone kind of looked at me like, you are not going to be able to find a sample. Like, I can't believe you chose this topic. Like, I don't know anyone that's ever called a woman as their lead pastor. Like, does that even exist? Okay. So wait, colleagues said that to you? Yes. Or? Here. Yeah. Like, like I'd love to help you. Oh, I'd love no. to refer somebody, but I mean, are you going to be able to finish the study? Because I don't know of any churches that actually called a woman as a lead, as their lead pastor. Okay. Okay. So that was the hmm. response across the board. Now, when I advertised it and my denomination advertised it and Facebook and so forth, and, and it's a national study. I had no problem finding churches who recently, in the last three years, called their first woman lead pastor. No problem. So right there, my expectation of, hey, this is something that is not happening, Mm. and how do I help it to happen, shifted from this is something that's happening. And so then I began to adjust some of my data collection questions to why. Why is this happening? Why is this happening as never before in our church history? And why are church parishioners feeling more comfortable to call a woman as their lead pastor as never before, which I didn't expect to find Uh, across the board. Now I interviewed, I tried to do a pretty diverse sample. So I interviewed conservative churches, interviewed liberal church parishioners from church parishioners. How did you describe liberal conservative, meaning like theologically? Theologically. Depending depending on the denomination. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So they're all congregationally led. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I, I asked them to describe themselves. 
Oh, so w- okay. would you would you say your church is theologically more on the liberal or conservative side? Gotcha. I had both. Would you say your church is old as in has been around a long time or mm. very new? Mm. I had both. I had churches 100 some years old. I had churches three years old. Would you say your church is predominantly older people or younger people? Mm. I had both. Would you say your church is predominantly white or multi-ethnic? I had both. Would you say your church is predominantly location-wise on the East Coast or the West Coast? Mm. I had both. So the one common denominator that I could find amongst all these diverse churches that are have all have each of them called a woman as their lead pastor mm. in the last three years mm-hmm. and were comfortable with it was covid Oh, interesting. So the process, I'm not going to give it all away, but I'm going to say the process of COVID, what happened was, and we'll dig into this more into the class, but each of these churches had lost or their, or their lead pastor, their male lead pastor had resigned Uh either during COVID or right before COVID. So they were in the process, the search process for lead pastor during the COVID pandemic. So 2019, 2020. Okay. In that process, each of them had tried to call other male candidates. And every single one of them, the woman candidate was not their first choice. Interesting. They had each of them tried to call male candidates, but the male candidates wouldn't wouldn't accept it because it was too hard to move during COVID, to make that transition, to lead a church during COVID. But for whatever Whereas reason, there's a woman candidate. Reason, it's like I don't have as many options. The woman candidate, kind of well the woman candidate was more in each in each step, the woman candidate, each of them felt called. Right, but I'm thinking yeah. like they might not feel the same level of hey, it's, I, I, yeah, I, exactly. They might feel the pressure. Yeah. like if I if I'm going to do and, it, I got to do and, it. And that know? is true. Yeah. Like I think of the the church context that I've led at, no man would ever pick up. They were all difficult, right? They were churches that had splits in the past. They were churches that had a major issue going on. Every man has any other options would choose a different church. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is an element to it because okay. of the disparities. Yeah. But at the same time, so this is, so the, the positive part about COVID is that it did for the first time open up a door for women clergy wider than ever before. Because these churches, all, each and every one of them had gone through a long search process one, two, maybe three male candidates that they pursued that eventually said no, finally down to their last end. But here's the beautiful thing. At the end of the day, when they found the woman candidate and they called her, each and each parishioner said, we don't feel like we ended up with a woman. We feel like we got the candidate we needed. Mm. We needed this woman. In fact, because of COVID, when the churches started reopening up, what they found is they needed to do something new. We need to do something different. Mm. right? To mm-hmm. draw people back. Yeah. Okay. They have found that having a woman lead pastor was the different thing that is oh, drawing people wow. back Okay, in the community. Yeah. Their church people, people that had left are coming back to check it out. So it's, it's like God used this bad thing mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. for something really good to happen. And so I'm finding this really a common denominator of each and every person that I interviewed. That's fascinating. And of course, I did a qualitative study, so it's a very small sample. Yeah. It's not like a big, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of people. Mm-hmm. So I understand, um, you, you know, you, you can't, the generalization might not be as wide, mm-hmm. but w- when you do have that diverse of a sample and you find that common denominator. Yeah, it's striking. It is striking. Mm-hmm. It, you're just like, and, and to be honest, um, it was humbling for me because I'm older so like I said, I was a lead pastor in 2013. So my experience was very different and I struggled with my call. 
And as I am listening to these parishioners tell me that what they have learned through this process is what's important about a lead pastor is their call, not their gender, not their sense of power, not their great man leadership charisma. Okay. What they've learned through this process is what they really need is a person who's called to be their pastor. And honestly, if I would interview those same people in 2013, they would not have said that. They didn't value that as much as all the other attributes they were looking for in a man. And from what you're finding, is it something they realized in the process of calling the woman pastor or, or is it more retrospectively once they were under I think both. ministry. I, I think both. Okay. I mean, I think it started started becoming clear to them as like they would describe this process. Mm-hmm. And I gave them plenty of time to describe each of their journeys. Each and every one of them was surprisingly enjoyed and liked the woman candidate more than they thought they would. Hmm. They This was new to them. They had never had a woman mm-hmm. lead pastor or even a woman pastor before. Mm-hmm. So they're going to come with a little bit of, I don't know about this, right? Right. But as they got to know her, each and every one of them liked her instantly, liked her thoughtful responses and felt like, I think our church needs her. Like we didn't know that. Mm. We didn't know that our church actually needs her right now. So for such a time as this, God is raising up women clergy and opening doors as never before. And and not even just my sample. As I look at my denomination, which is a national denomination, almost 900 churches in the U.S., I am seeing emails and notifications about another woman being ordained, another woman being called as lead pastor, another woman being called as a pastor of a church mm-hmm. over and over, way more than in my day or the women before and me. that's the evangelical covenant. That I'm yeah, we mentioned I, that in the previous yeah. episode. I just yeah. want to make sure we got yeah. it. And, I, was, and yeah, okay. I think that even that's even happening in others. And I, yeah. I've not done the research, but it seems like it's happening more and more yeah. uh, because of all these different reasons. Mm-hmm. But it's exciting to me that this... This has shifted from what my colleagues told me doesn't exist to you guys would be surprised what God is doing right now. There are more women being called. And I'm not talking just associate pastor, discipleship pastor, children's ministry pastor. Mm -hmm. I went for the top one because I figure if we can figure out the top, then Mm -hmm. it'll fit every other classification. I'm talking about lead pastor, like breaking all cultural norms, even challenging some theological assumptions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. And, you know, I think, I mean, I don't have data to support this, but I strongly suspect this just in terms of what I see, what I hear, what I've read, that probably the most powerful argument for women in ministry and women in like a lead pastor role is people just getting to experience what it's like. Yeah. Because exactly. when you experience it yep. and you see, yep. wow, this is actually really good. There's a lot yep. of good fruit. Mm-hmm. When you see the Holy Spirit working through a person, yep. it's pretty hard to deny that that's yep. the Spirit working. That's right. That's right? right. It's kind of like when 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 Peter was questioned as to, in terms of like, how could you baptize the Gentiles? And he's yep. like, the Spirit fell on them and spoke to them. What was I supposed to do? Like when you witness the Holy yes. Spirit at work yes. in someone's life, it becomes much harder to kind of deny them yes. that. Uh, and I think that that was another common denominator that I found in each of their different call processes was that in some way, whether it was like a, a husband, wife, co-interim that was helping the church through this process to find their lead. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they, for the first time they got to, even though that particular one described that the church really saw him as the yeah lead. it's funny sometimes people can justify it like yeah. they're co-pastors but everyone kind of knows yeah. she's under him so right. we're cool with but, it, but what yeah. he said is because of their perception of that it lowered their defenses and gave them a chance to see and receive her preaching yeah and 
because now she would have just come just as a woman interim, their guard probably would have been up. Mm -hmm. But because she came as a co as an interim, Mm -hmm. and they saw the man as the lead, they got to experience the spirit working through her. And they this particular gentleman said he really believes they wouldn't have been ready to call a woman as a lead pastor had not they experienced her. And the same thing across in other stories yeah. where interims were women yeah. or or they had women uh, guest preachers from time to time, you know, and that helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like you said, just experiencing the spirit at work. Like my husband likes to say, Penny, I'm not like pro you, I'm pro spirit. So meaning in the church, I don't hear you. I don't hear male or female. I hear the spirit. Mm. When I stop hearing the spirit, then I might pull back on what I think you should do, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't, I don't see male or female. Mm-hmm. I, I hear the spirit speaking as long mm-hmm. as I can hear the spirit speaking through you, yeah. then I'm, I'm good. Well, and I think it's, it's interesting. I was listening to a very um, popular kind of complementarian thinker talk about this. I think, I don't want to misspeak. I think it might've been Denny Burke or one of the, you know, biblical masculinity mm-hmm. type, but they, they admitted that this is a big problem for complementarians because when people see women mm-hmm. in ministry and how good it is when this, yeah. when the spirits involved, <laughs> it, it's like a very powerful yeah. argument. And his point was, you know, the complementarian position isn't that women can't do it. It's that they shouldn't do it, uh-huh. which raises a really interesting <laughs> question. Why would the spirit gift women to do things that they shouldn't do? That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, I think that yeah. that's, um, yeah, a lot of women pastors that I've talked to, that is has been very much their approach, like to, to allow people to just observe them yeah. and see what they do. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Elizabeth Condi Fraser in the last episode, but she was sharing a story with me when she she took up this small uh, church in, I think it was like Maine or somewhere in the mm-hmm. Northeast. Mm-hmm. And a lot of conservative, uh, <laughs> I think it was primarily like among Latino churches, but there were Mm -hmm. a lot of churches there and they heard this woman pastor Mm -hmm. was coming and, you know, they lost it. They all kind Mm -hmm. of were saying bad things about her. So they, they had this meeting, they came together, (laughs) they had this big meeting uh, where they were all there and listening, kind of discerning Mm -hmm. the spirit. And a woman stood up and said, by their fruit, Mm -hmm. they will be known. Mm -hmm. And the pastors Mm. listened to that. And they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to give you a season. Yeah. They, they came to an agreement. She's, I think she maybe they were going to have a season where you don't malign my ministry. You just mm-hmm. allow it to mm-hmm. happen. And, mm. and, and at the end of that, if you're convinced it's yeah. not of God, then by all means. Yeah. Right. So they went through the season. By the end of it, they had her all preaching in, in, yeah. in their churches yeah. and you know, yeah. all this kind of yeah. stuff. But, but I mean, I, I have a, <laughs> like we laugh, but I do respect the fact that this congregation fears God enough to have that meeting. Mm-hmm. It seems a little ridiculous in our flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Like why, why, why is this an issue? But the fact that no, they're, they're open to listening to the spirit and, 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 and to... their motive is to please God mm-hmm. and they don't want to do anything that is heretical. Right. And that's a good sign. That's a sign of a good church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and For any sure. true woman pastor is going to want a church that's going to be like the Bereans, mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. search out this issue for themselves. And I think another reason why this phenomenon is occurring exponentially is this shift of how we define leadership is really happening. Mm. And and again, as we talked about mm. in the last episode, sometimes a church takes its cues from the world yeah. instead of, instead of be a light to the world. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we have in many ways taken our cues from this idea of role congruity theory 
where women have not broken the glass ceiling for years and years and years mm -hmm. in secretaries, not leaders, yeah. not in executive roles. And we've Can seen you women... redefine that for us yeah. just in case some, yeah. someone's listening to this episode that yeah. hasn't listened to. The, yeah. And, the and this will be important all the way through the class. I'll yeah. refer to it because I, it's one of the, it's a base framework of my study. So role congruity theory basically comes from the, the social construct of um, how we, what we expect people to look like, talk like, act like comes from our social context. Okay. So in the West, because women have had such a difficult time breaking that glass ceiling, mm -hmm. most of our experience is women in support or communal roles um, instead of leadership roles. Right. So therefore, we have perceived women as communal type leaders, support type leaders. At the, on the opposite end, we have viewed and therefore perceived men as agentic type leaders, decision makers, power makers, um, mm. carry power, move power, hold power. We, yeah. And so these have become gender roles. Yeah. And this is what makes us comfortable. Yeah. Okay. So when we take that and we and we apply it to leadership, the, the topic of leadership, sometimes, and I believe in the issue of leadership, the church has taken its cue more from the world, everything I just said, mm -hmm. and applied it to roles in the church, mm -hmm. um, whereas women should be the support roles and men being the lead roles. But now the world is shifting mm -hmm. to where leadership is being redefined as shared leadership, top down leadership, uh, this one person holding the power and telling everybody what to do really outdated. Yeah. Um, it's much more about collaborative, shared. Um, how, how do I, how do I lead a group Mm -hmm. how, 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 not just say, how do I lead a group? How does the group lead together? Right. So because of that, what's interesting is that therefore we have become more open to what we perceive a woman leader should be. A woman leader should be communal because it should be more group oriented, more support oriented, not more power oriented. So therefore we are becoming really comfortable with women leading. But the problem with that is not every woman is a communal support type woman leader. Mm -hmm. Like I'm more agentic. So um, Todd Ferguson, he's done a lot of research in this area on role congruity theory, and he applied mm -hmm. it to the issue of women clergy. Okay. And in 2018, he did a study and my study kind of follows his study and he found that women with communal type leadership attributes are having less difficulty becoming lead pastors, being received by the by their parishioners as why? Because we're accepting that type of leadership. Right. But still women with agentic type leadership attributes, like more, I decide things more executive style, mm -hmm. power, uh, carry more power when I speak. Now you're like doing that. something that a man should be doing. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So they are still having a hard time breaking in. But that goes with the shift of the way the world is perceiving leadership. Right. So it really has nothing to do theologically. Right. It has to do with how we perceive leadership. Now, theologically, it brings us back to the point, how did Jesus describe leadership? How did, what did Jesus say to do with power? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what's ironic about that is Jesus gave away his power, mm -hmm. said to be a servant, which is much more describing a communal, mm -hmm. supportive, empathetic, mm -hmm. right? Humble type leader, which mm -hmm. we have prescribed as feminine, as female. Yeah. Okay. But yet we've chosen to put men with agentic power type personalities as our lead pastors. Right. That is all shifting. 
Interesting. So almost all of the sample, every single person of the sample that I interviewed and did a focus group with is definitely shifted with this call of a woman lead pastor. They've also, not because of her, they were doing it before her, Mm -hmm. but the reason they were comfortable with her is they were shifting from the hierarchical top-down leadership to a more collaborative, let's lead the church together. Everybody lean in with your spiritual gifts. It's not a top down anymore. Is part of that also a rejection in part of the the kind of mega church model or boomer model of churches, big booming business? It it, it could be definitely, but I think it's bigger than that. Like, I think it has to do. How do you test for it, by the way? Like what kind of questions get at that? Um, yeah, I asked for their governing model. What, okay. what was your governing model before? Okay. And what was your, what were you looking for when you called this, this next pastor? Mm-hmm. Um, and for instance, one church said, uh, we had a charismatic, really good male pastor, mm-hmm. loved him. Like, mm-hmm. and, but everything he said, we thought was the perfect idea. Mm-hmm. And we did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we did it. And we just thought he had all the ideas and we followed everything he did. And mm-hmm. then one day he stood up and said, this is wrong. You shouldn't all be doing just because I say you should do it. Right. We should be doing this thing together. And he stepped down to challenge their paradigm. And he told them, you need to learn how to be more collaborative instead of just lean on one person with power. So he stepped down. So then they were looking for a pastor that will help them reframe how they lead the church. Mm-hmm. And um, they did find some male, more communal type leaders, but mm-hmm. they had they re, they, they just um, declined mm-hmm. the offer, like I said. Mm-hmm. But and when they got to the woman who has a communal type leadership, they really liked her. Now, oh, interesting. what's interesting is they did have a woman interim who was more agentic in her leadership style and they didn't like her. That okay? is interesting. Yeah. So they didn't like her. So it wasn't that they were like open. It wasn't that they called her because she was a woman. They called this particular woman because she had the communal empathetic values that they're looking for in leadership nowadays, mm-hmm. rather than the old style of more agentic leadership. And that, how much in your findings are gender, I mean, uh, uh, generational focus. So I would think that that would be particularly true of like millennials and Gen Z. It, but, it was stronger, yeah. but I would say- But it cuts across I, It cuts across, but the, it's not siloed, yeah. but it was definitely on a continuum stronger. Mm-hmm. But I did have the 125-year-old church, 60-year-old man was complementarian say, okay, this woman we brought is pulling in more people than than any of our other lead pastors. She's doing more home visits. She's being more communal. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding this is what our church needs. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah now, no, he, they, he even said no other male pastor has ever found the time to do all this stuff that she's doing relationally. Uh, interesting. Now, but that doesn't mean that every woman no. is going to lead that way because I'm particularly not so much that way. I'm more agentic. Right, okay. Right, right. So I would still struggle to some degree and being received and being myself. Yes. But more communal type leaders are yeah. fitting this new model of leadership. Yeah. And because we've kind of coded the sage on the stage and the charismatic figurehead as, as male. Yeah. That, uh, that's a big, well, and it's ironic too, because I interviewed congregationally led churches, right. Mm -hmm. Where the lead pastor doesn't even like in the constitution, they don't have any more, they don't even have the power. It's the church, the parishioners that do, but the parishioners give them the power. Yeah. There's a kind of charismatic authority. So they would give their power to lead pastor, but nowadays no one does that anymore. No one, no one gives your power to one person. Mm. Now everyone wants shared power. So again, the church is taking its cue from the world, but 
I think it's a little more aligned with Jesus theology in that sense. Yeah. Um, and so communal type women, uh, clergy women are finding it more acceptable and better experiences becoming lead pastors. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Any, any other things that you want to Yeah. Share? I mean, I think the one outlier to that, which, which is important to mention is there was one gentleman in my sample that was from a mega church. Okay. Uh, and I wasn't in charge of my samples, random people just volunteering. Sure. Okay. So most of them were small to medium churches, but okay. one gentleman was a mega church. Okay. And he did say, Hey, we're a mega church. We have to have an agentic lead pastor, meaning we have to have some, because the bigger your organization to lead, the less personal your leader gets to be, right? right. You're, you're, well, you kind of, you have to, you, you kind of delegate, delegate out. everything out, right? right? And right. The, the lead pastor almost becomes like the CEO. It's like the manager. It's like the CEO figurehead president. Yes. Yeah. And, and then you have your underlings running around. So you don't get around. that yeah. personal touch, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But you are, lead, you know, you're, you're it's much more administrative, mm-hmm. much more systematic, strategic, all those kind of things. So they did call particularly and found an agentic a woman lead pastor, mm. that they needed her to be that. And mm-hmm. they need her to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting is she was serving at a different church and was voted out because she's an agentic woman, but then they're looking for her. But they, but had, the, I would they say, had the courage to call a pastor that had just been voted out because they understood the differences. Right. And that was probably a smaller medium church. And this is a larger church mm-hmm. now. So, the, so again, you have context, right? Mm-hmm. You have organizational context. So the bigger the organization, the more agentic leadership you're still going to have happen. You're mm-hmm. going to have some sense of hierarchy. Right. Okay. But the church, the ethos of the church, the parishioners want this more sense of shared uh, equity, shared um, leadership in the church, doing this thing together as never before. Mm-hmm. And women, we have prescribed women as being those kind of leaders for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I guess then there's maybe an opportunity for, as we're thinking through all this stuff, to ask the question of whether this is just a healthier model for leadership that men and women together yeah. <laughs> can. Yeah, I mean, it does, can, it does can, beg can, the can question take. we really need to get a handle on the topic of power as Jesus described. Mm-hmm. It does challenge our, that's why we've named it women in, Correct. in power women in the power church, in the because church. it is an issue of authority. Like mm-hmm. it used to be a woman years and years ago, the church, per, church parishioners would receive a woman preaching if they knew that the man in charge gave his blessing. Mm-hmm. So she didn't come up in any kind of her own power. That's mm-hmm. how they justified it. Right. Okay, But we have to get back to, what did Jesus say to do with power? What yeah. is power in the yeah. kingdom? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. What are we to do with it? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's where no matter what culture we are, no matter what gender we are, no matter what status we are, um, race we are, mm-hmm. there is this new kingdom ethic that God is building us and changing us for. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think needs to enter into the church in this conversation yeah. of who's going to lead the church we can't even have that conversation until we know what leadership yeah. and power should be in the church. Yeah. Instead of taking our cues from the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, uh, yeah. Right. Because power gets treated like kind of a zero sum game. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. Right. And uh, or churches have become their own five hundred one c threes, and yeah. they have it's it's you know. And I understand with the state, you have a certain level of you have to do your bylaws and you have to become a corporation. But did Jesus 
did he envision the church should be a corporation or yeah. is that just something we we check the box we have to do but are we are we more than that yeah for sure well i mean it, it happens you you kind of erect uh these organizations and then almost instantaneously everybody becomes subservient to that like mm-hmm. the main goal is just to to keep the doors open yeah. to make sure the organization thrives. Yeah. The organization yeah. almost takes precedent over the people that it was uh-huh. created to serve in the first place. And it used to be that you needed a charismatic male mm-hmm. to attract and keep people in the or in the church as an organization. Right. Now people aren't as attracted to that. Right. Now, in fact, they're turned off by that as yeah. never before. Yeah, that's no, that's right. I mean, I, I've I've heard since I've moved back to this area, I've heard multiple times people talking about, oh, where do you go to church? I'm really struggling because you know you go to this church, and I just feel like this guy is just talking at me yeah. all yeah. the time. And yeah, people people used to see that as just telling it like it is, yeah. preaching the word of yeah. God, yeah. unvarnished <laughs> truth, baby. Yeah. And now they're like, no, you're just being a uh-huh. jerk. It, like, what is we that? have really shifted what yeah. we have defined leadership to be. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so many other things that uh, that raises for me, but I, I am um, I'm excited to see in the class, like you just take us through more of this kind of material because yeah. I think it's it's so helpful to see. And, and have an opportunity to kind of see ourselves in the data or to yeah. see ourselves in these different anecdotes within the larger study. And like, yeah, that kind of is a mirror of maybe where I was at one point or maybe right. where my congration is. Mm-hmm. And then how can I think then through yeah. what, where every, every single change? individual in my study at one point did not support women as elite. Oh, pastor. is that Every, right? So, That's so I was afraid, you know, because I'm not really in control of the sample, right? So I was yeah. afraid all, all I would get are the, the choir. Like I yeah. didn't want the choir. Right. I actually wanted the no, people who to struggled. Hear that. That's kind right. of a gift to be yeah. able to hear yeah. from Yeah. So yeah. by the time they came to my study, they had changed their position. But then I got to ask them what changed, right? right? And right. so how did that change for you? And yeah. what, what, was, what was the learning process for you? And what was that like? Yeah. And that's part of the study. Maybe that's a good place for us like to kind of wrap this is, do you have like maybe a, a cool story or two that stands out to you in terms of like someone talking about what did it for them or like what changed or, yeah. or even uh, just kind of generally yeah. like, I, think, I mean, we already talked about just the experience, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think generally, and we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but just, just to repeat it and it's worth repeating is that their experience of having a female leader in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, being under a female leader in the in education, yeah. in other fields other than clergy mm-hmm. that aren't so male dominated, mm-hmm. helped them. They were able to make a connection. They were able to make that. a connection. It's like I call it cookies on the shelf. They mm-hmm. had a couple cookies on the shelf uh-huh. that they could eat from, uh-huh. right? And say, okay, yeah, that did taste pretty good. Oh, yeah. you know, and I, I, gosh, it was a good experience, and she did a great job. So let me, and now one particular gentleman was older. And so he said, now my mom would roll over in her grave. He, he even had to redefine what he was taught as a child. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that was a big process for him. And what the process was not only his experience with women out in the marketplace, he would say that, but also his realization as he would listen to this woman's responses as they interviewed her, he realized we need her right now. Mm. We don't need what we thought we did. Mm. We were we were looking for the charismatic guy. Yeah. Praise God they declined. Praise God they said no. Because mm. as I'm listening to her, that's what we need. What we and need. she is more of a communal support, empathetic type leader. And he's like, we need someone like that as never before. Wow, that's really cool. 
Well, thanks again so much for this conversation. And um, yeah, again, this is just to hopefully whet people's appetite yeah. for the class. We'd love to have you there. Even if you can't be there, the timing doesn't work for you. Just keep in mind, we always record our classes mm -hmm. and those mm -hmm. will be available. Um, so you can think about registering uh, as well. But um, Thank thanks, you, thanks so much. It's wonderful being your colleague. It's wonderful mm. getting a chance to hear more about your research. Likewise. And yeah, we're looking forward to more yeah, in the future. Looking forward thanks. to seeing y'all. You've just finished another episode of On The Way. Thanks so much for listening to us. We so appreciate it. If you haven't already, make sure that you are following or subscribed to the podcast so that you get the release of each new episode. And we'd very much appreciate if you would write us or rate us on whichever podcast platform you use. That would be awesome. The biggest encouragement I have is for you to consider joining our Facebook group if you haven't already. Link is posted in the episode description. This is a community for all people to just come together, encourage one another in our faith, share resources, and continue on this journey together. Thanks all. We love you. Mm -hmm.